Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. StarCity Games.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we did not have to postpone the show this week. You hit Mythic before me, and then I got super motivated, and I joined you in the ranks of Mythic less than probably six, seven, eight hours later that same day. Yeah, I was, I was glad to put a little fire under your butt there. But also, how is it just so easy for you? You just like rattle off two 7x drafts in a row? I don't, I've never done that. Man, you crushed me on Twitter. It was so savage. <laughs> I, I, you, you posted your thing that was mythic, and I posted that we needed to postpone the show. And then you said, but can we wait that long? And I was like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> I am getting to mythic before we record the show. And so I just sat down, and I, I, had, I was super focused. I was not streaming. I was trying my darndest, rattled off two 7Xs. Now, I wish that happened every time I got focused. Obviously, I got a little lucky, too. But hopped straight from uh, Diamond 4 to Mythic in less than you know two and a half drafts. That's pretty awesome, dude. Congratulations. Yeah. So we got two two mythic lords on the podcast this week. Yeah, I've been I've been getting my number down as well. I've been as low as 27. So I've been on a, a bit of a heater when I've been playing. Oh, that's awesome. I am just trying to see how low I can go in the other direction. I want to know just how many mythics there are in limited. So I think I'm in like <laughs> 250 right now or something. You'll get it up. You'll get it up. I don't know. I, I'm, you know, I'm playing all this best of one standard now. So who, who, who cares about uh, about rattling off the limited? I might switch over to best of three the, now that I'm mythic. And I don't think that there's going to be a thousand mythics at the end of the month or whatever. Just because I don't know. Best of one is the swings, man. The swings. I can't handle them. Yeah, there are some huge swings in best of one for sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you got any updates on the, the trophy leaderboard? We got to figure out what we're going to call this for arena these days. Yeah, we do probably need some sort of a different name. I have done no MTGO drafts this week, but I have jammed a ton of Arena, grinded up to Mythic in Rivals of Ixalan, and then have been playing some Ravnica Allegiance uh, in preparation for this episode. So I'm up to 26 drafts that I've recorded. I'm sure there's like 10 or so that I've missed because I'm the worst. <laughs> um, but of the ones I've recorded, I'm 127 and 60 with a 68% win rate and 10 trophies. That's amazing. And I've got a couple couple other best of three drafts hanging around seven three record with one trophy yeah i wasn't keeping track of my rick's record which is where i hit mythic i did a few ravnica allegiance drafts this week i did like got a two three a four three and a two three and then i go oh i guess another two three with you skyping in yesterday i just have not been able to get any traction so i'm 33 drafts deep 150 and 79 nine quote unquote trophies 65 percent win rate and i did two more drafts on magic online this week and got two trophies very nice. And you've been playing a little bit of Ravnica Remix. What has that been like? Yeah. So unfortunately, by the time this episode comes out, I think that's only going to be live for like another day and a half or so. But yeah, last week, Magic Online released this cool little event called Ravnica Remix, where they sort of like curate packs. They mix up a bunch of cards from both Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance into like two different types of packs. And you draft pack A first and then two pack B's after that. And it's just like a cool way to mix up a bunch of stuff. It seems like there's sort of two polar opposite kinds of decks. One is like a super gates deck, taking all the gate payoffs from both sets, you know, getting your guild summits and your gatebreaker rams and your gate colossus and your glaive of the guild pact. Oh my God, that sounds juicy. One sexy 40 card deck. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the other end of the spectrum is like the Boros beats, the Selesnia beats, the Gruul beats, that sort of stuff. Any sort of Naya 
base two color deck, I think is a, a good way to combat the people who are playing the no rush magic tap land stuff. But if you're interested in that, I recommend checking it out. There's about like five, six hundred people in the league. So they're they're firing, you know, not super fast, but, you know, you won't be waiting that long if it's something that you're interested in doing. Very cool. So we're going to be talking about the bots, baby, checking in on what makes drafting on Arena different than drafting on Magic Online, which I think there is actually quite a bit to discuss there. But before we get into any of that, we got to talk about that Patreon, baby. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is a place where you can give back to the show if you so choose. Of course, the show will always be free, but we do want to uh, give some perks thrown the way of folks who choose to give back to the show. And the base level for that is always going to be the Lords of Limited Discord. We had a pretty sweet announcement in the Discord this week. Someone who's like only been back playing Magic a year, I think, and is part of our Discord, just qualified for the Mythic Championship through an MCQ. Yeah, huge congrats to Jacob M. Huge shout out. Uh, It's awesome that the Discord helped along the way, you know, tweeted, tagged us, tagged Lords of Limited, tagged Limited Resources, Ryan Sachs, some other big limited names. That's pretty insanely impressive that you've been playing Limited for a year and are crushing it on the PT now, the MC, as it were. So so that means we're qualified for the MC, right? Exactly. Yeah. So pretty exciting news for us, for sure. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the Discord is just like a really awesome community. Like I said, it has a life of its own. I feel like a very proud papa. Discord's off to college. It's all grown up. And it's just an amazing community of people who are dedicated to limited, dedicated to getting better. You know, when these one-off things come off, like the Ravnica remix sets, like we talked about the Omniscience drafts last week, all that stuff is getting solved by the Discord super, super fast. And it's really a great place to see like what's working, what's not working, get real-time feedback on your drafts, on your builds, on maybe even what's the play scenarios. All that stuff is available in the Discord. We got some higher tier rewards as well for some higher tier donations. And of course, we want to shout out each new member of the Discord the week that they join. And this week, we want to welcome Sasha, Ray, Jared, Robert, Guild, David, Fabio, and Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, huge thank you to all our new supporters. And another special shout out to Rain from our Lords of Luna Discord. They are chilling at mythic rank number two in limited on Arena. So that's super awesome. You know, we've got just a ton of raw talent we've got pros hanging out the discord is just super happening and there's always great discussion going on about limited so thank you thank you thank you to all of our patrons uh and everyone that makes the discord really special yeah agreed all right so uh what do we got on tap today ben we are going to dive deep on magic arena and drafting with the bots i think it's just a totally different ball game uh, than drafting on magic online and there's not been a ton of content out there about what to do when you're drafting with the bots. You know, I know Limited Resources had Ryan Spain on, went went sort of deep in on the economy and how to maximize that and and that sort of stuff. But just like the actual process of sitting down at a table with robots and what are you going to do? And how is that different from sitting down at a table with seven other real people? So we're going to kind of take a look at some of the main differences that we found in our experience and what sort of worked for us when we've been trying to draft with the bots and beat the bots. Yeah, so I wanted to just throw out sort of a general comment, and uh, for folks who maybe caught my guest appearance on Men from Moto this week, I was talking to Travis Semulan Sowers about my feeling about drafting against bots, and I feel a little frustrated by it in a sense of like, you know, I think you and I, maybe at least for myself, and I think you might probably feel the same way, like our greatest skill as a Magic player, as a limited player, is in reading draft signals. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that completely, Yes. Like, I think that's my biggest edge. I feel the most comfortable doing things where like, you know, I'm sussing out what's going on in pack one. I feel like I have a good sense of like how to navigate the different sections of the first pack, how to pick up on cards when they're going later than I think they should. I feel like I have a pretty solid pick order early enough in the format. And that is also flexible. Like, and all that stuff kind of goes out the window when you're drafting against the bots. So I feel like I'm, and I'm sure there is some other way to figure it out that I just haven't dedicated myself enough time to yet. But I feel like I'm sort of being sometimes punished for like applying these things that I've worked very hard to ingrain in myself as skills. And that all sort of like gets kind of thrown out the window sometimes depending on how the draft goes with the bots. Yes, I agree with that sentiment 100%. I think, you know, reading signals is sometimes it works. It just depends. The drafts feel so different about the bot behavior draft in draft out. But I think there are drafts where I feel like I get punished for trying to switch lanes or trying to read what's open. Okay, I think this pick five, pick six, pick seven, I felt like I saw signals for Rakdos. And then I move in and then pack three, there is no reward. When in an MTGO pod, if I'd read those signals, I would be expecting to get hooked up with Rakdos in pack three. 
There's also something, I mean, maybe it's just about like feeling smart or whatever in a draft, but there's something really cool about going, all right, I'm going to take this card. And then if I've read this whole thing right, I will wheel this other card that is going to go well in my deck. And with the bots, because they're just picking things off a pick order, you know, you are either like always going to wheel this thing or never going to wheel this thing. It's not about like, well, in this draft, because I've figured out that this is the lane for me, I can probably make this thing work. It's just like, no, in the omniscience drafts, you were always going to wheel final parting, basically, and you were never going to wheel divination. So you should always take divination first or whatever. And I feel like there's things like that in Ravnica Legion's best of one, even, or even in like Rivals of Ixalan, where you could just be like, well, I know I'm going to get a recover late at some point in the Rivals drafts because the bots don't value that card highly. Whereas, you know, if you were at a table with people, maybe some people would value it in one draft and then not value it in another draft or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I think the first thing you need to accept when you're sitting down to draft with those bots is that you aren't reading signals in the traditional sense, like a la the Ben Stark drafting the hard way. I think you can do that. But I think a lot of times for me personally, when it feels like I'm trying to apply those principles of reading things that are open and taking, you know, a late red card, like maybe I take a late skewer the critics, pack one, pick five, you know, to maybe feel out if red is open. A lot of times I feel like that leads to me drafting a pretty unfocused, like three to five color pile of good cards that doesn't necessarily have a plan. And it ends up being a lot of the cards that the bots undervalue that I think are good cards, like some of the best commons in the set that the bots don't necessarily value that highly. And I think that just lends itself to a bad deck. And then a lot of times those decks, while having a lot of powerful cards, and like I felt like I drafted the way I was supposed to draft, end up going 2-3 or 3-3 or 4-3. Have you had similar experiences to that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not only about commons that they undervalue. Like, you know, I think it... so. There's also a thing to consider about like the iterations of the bots, you know, when they update them, I think they change the pick orders. And so, you know, we all remember when Ravnica Legions first came out on Arena, that the gate deck was wildly open, right? It was just like devolved into these gate mirrors because you you could essentially get all the gates in every pack almost because the bots never took them. So you could just wheel all the gates. And then if you got past gate payoffs, you would be golden. That's less the case. Now there seems to be some something implemented. I'm not quite sure what it is, but like the bots seem to feel like, well, we can't let gates go past pick seven or whatever, but there still doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason about like, you know, we were talking before the show about how sometimes you would see like no gate, no gate, no gate, but then gate breaker ram. So like, I don't know what's going on there, but there's not only the experience of the commons that seem to be going weirdly late, like some Orzov stuff or Soraform hybrid, I think is sort of a big, a big error in this sense. But there's also like uncommon build arounds that the bots seem to not value. I mean, the first time around, I think Rhythm of the Wild just wasn't a card that they picked up. Now, that's not like a huge build around or whatever. But, you know, uh, Ryan Sachs has an article on Star City Games about drafting on Arena differently and mentioned that like he would just assume that his gruel opponents had Rhythm of the Wild in their decks that first time around because like it just always wields. So if you're in gruel, you probably have one of those. Things like High Alert or Dovin's Acuity, like those go super late. So so like those cards don't feel like signals in the same way they would in a normal draft. Like you see a High Alert fourth pick and you're like, oh, this is like a very focused lane. This is the thing I can be doing. But it's just like, no, you're just going to wheel High Alerts on Arena because the bots don't take that card. Well, and partially that happens because Dovin's Acuity and High Alert are like almost one card away from each other in the uncommon pick order. So yeah. a lot of times in a pack, you can see High Alert and Dovin's Acuity in the same pack. So maybe one bot takes one of those cards, but then the other one goes criminally late, it feels like. Right. But it's unclear, like, it's it's frustrating because those kinds of cards then require you to alter your pick order. If someone was actually taking that card out of a pack, then it would cause them to then shift things like they would start to take Azorius Knight Arbiter over Chillbringers. They start to take Senate Couriers over, I don't know, whatever, other sort of reasonable cards that might not go so well in a high alert deck, that sort of thing. Right, and the bots don't do that is my my guess. Yeah, I mean, again, we're speculating, you know, there's not any sort of transparency about what the bots are doing in a, in a sense. Like, you know, I think Ryan Spain talked about it a little bit on when he was on Limited Resources, when he was talking about the economy of Arena. So there's like an idea that, that they are trying to find their lane, but I don't really see that happening. I don't I don't think that there's like a blue green bot at the table or whatever. Or once once a bot gets a frilled mystic, then they're like locking into blue and green cards. It doesn't seem like that's the case. I would agree. I also have the sense of that a majority of the time. So one one thing that I found, you know, because we're talking about all this that makes reading signals 
a lot tougher, right? So in order to not end up in these messy three color plus unfocused decks, I, I find that my drafts tend to go better if I'm consciously trying to start drafting a deck that has a plan way earlier in the draft than I normally would be on MTGO. I'm trying to force myself to choose by like pack one, pick six, pack one, pick seven. Whereas on MTGO, sometimes I might not know what I'm doing until like pack two, midway through pack two. I found that if I force myself, you know, in those first eight picks on arena to kind of pick a lane and stick with it and maybe ignore some of the random late commons from the bots, because I know those are sort of maybe red herrings at this point a little bit, that I end up with a better deck that will go five, three, six, three, maybe seven, two, if I'm lucky. So can you talk a little bit about what you mean in terms of like starting to draft with a plan earlier than you would in a pod? Like what you're trying to do when you're drafting against people versus what it means to be like drafting with a plan earlier with bots? Well, or or just even committing to a guild earlier. So like if, you know, I've got you know a couple Simic cards and I've got a white card and I've got a black card and then all of a sudden like pack one, pick six, I see this late skewer the critics. You know, once I see like a couple of the weird things that come from the bots, I either force myself to say, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to pivot into this thing and I'm not going to look back. Or I'll say, I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to stick with these three Simic cards I have come what may like a little bit of much more a sense of tunnel vision than I would ever have on MTGO. And for me, that ends up in me drafting better decks because at least at the end of it you know maybe i've missed a late rakdos firewheeler or something but at the end of it i have a simic deck that has a plan that has a good curve that has good creatures that has bounce spells you know i know what the decks are supposed to look like yeah and i decide okay i'm gonna draft simic come what may like at the end of pack one pick eight or something rather than continue to try to dive and wheel because i don't feel like necessarily you always get paid off from the bots. So, you know, let's say I start with my first four picks like Simic Rulish, and then I audible into Rakdos because Rakdos felt open at the end of pack one. There's times in pack three where I just don't see Rakdos. Like when you would be expecting to get paid off really heavily for having read that Rakdos was open at the end of pack one. Yeah, that's a really frustrating thing that I've found myself getting trapped by on more than one occasion is that idea of like, okay, I feel like Rakdos was super open in pack one and then, oh, maybe like some, I get some goodies in pack two, but I know I'm going to get paid off in pack three and then you just don't. It just, it's all dried up. And again, I think it's because you're not, the seven bots that you're drafting with aren't drafting, they're not drafting decks, they're drafting to pick orders. And so you're not necessarily carving your lane out as the Rakdos deck and then getting rewarded in any sense. Right. But it does feel like, too, there, you know, there's some drafts that are super messy, mm -hmm. but there are other drafts that feels like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the show. Like if I see multiple cards that go late in a certain color, I'll usually at this point take that as a sign to move in. Like it does feel like there are drafts where the Orzov cards go way too late. Like you see late grasping thralls, you see late Imperious Oligarchs. But then mm -hmm. sometimes some other drafts, you never see those cards go like way questionably late. And then sometimes you're in the pod where Soraform hybrids go way too late and Airmunculus go way too late. So it does feel like there's, you know, if there are bot personalities, there's more than seven of them because the drafts right. do feel different, but they feel different in the sense that like cards still go way too late, but sometimes it's the Orzov cards that go way too late. Sometimes it's the Simic cards that go way too late. And so if I get a feeling at this point of, okay, I'm in the I'm in the pod where I'm with the bots where Grasping Thrall goes way too late, I will try to move into Orzov and kind of trust that. And that has seemed to work out pretty well for me. Yeah, it does feel like there's, you know, it's not the same every time, as you said, but it's like one of three things feels like it's going to happen. You know, I do feel like my decks are often, you know, Orzov, maybe Azorius, High Alert, Dovin's Acuity, that sort of thing maybe it's Simic, and maybe it's the gate deck, that sort of thing. But I don't feel like I end up in Gruul very often, even though I do see that as like a deck that people are 7xing with in the Discord a lot. I don't feel like I end up in Rakdos almost ever. Like I'm just sort of off of considering six-pick Blade Juggler a signal, because I don't know if the... I, I My guess is like the bots have Grotesque ahead of Blade Juggler in their pick order, probably. And I don't think that's where the rest of us are at. And so I see the blade jugglers late and I'm like, ooh, that's a signal. But then it just never really seems to pan out. Right. I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about like uncommon print runs. So is this this is public information? These like what uncommons are in each pack? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not like 
advertised, but if you, so the, the drafts, like there's just a, a finite amount of combinations, right? So mm-hmm. there is one uncommon print run. So they don't publicize it, but if a person watches enough drafts on Twitch or whatever, you just start to map the uncommons always go in the same order. So if you're watching a draft on Twitch and you see somebody open their pack one, pick one, and the uncommons are rally to battle, drill bit, Rakdos Firewheeler, you know those three cards are next to each other in the uncommon print run. So just by watching on Twitch, like 50 to 100 drafts, I mean, it takes a fair amount of effort, but for each set so far that's been on Magic Arena, somebody has mapped it out and puts it in a paste bin, and then you can consult that while you're drafting. So for example, they're, they're always in the same order. They're always in consecutive order. So if you see a pack of Ravnica Legions that has Rhythm of the Wild and Bankrupt in Blood, but no third uncommon, you know with 100% certainty that the missing uncommon is Clan Guildmage because Clan Guildmage is in between Rhythm of the Wild and Bankrupt in Blood in the print run. On the other hand, like if you see a pack with Enraged Ceratok and Rhythm of the Wild, it could be missing either a Clan Guildmage or a Resolute Watchdog because Enraged Ceratok and Rhythm of the Wild are right next to each other in the uncommon print run. So you don't know whether the card above those two cards or the card below those two cards got taken. But you can, while you're drafting, you know, after your pack one, pick one, if you get past a pack with an uncommon missing, you can pull up this paste bin and look and either know for certain what card the bot next to you took or like a guess of one of two cards. And usually one of those two cards is way better than the other. So you can kind of make an educated guess that the bot took that one. So now if the bots are drafting according to color pair pick orders or whatever, or that their previous picks influence their future picks, that's helpful information. But I'm not convinced that that's the case. I am also not convinced that that's the case. So I use this, I was pretty like dead set on, I want to get to Mythic in the Mm -hmm. first preseason or whatever it was because I I'd played Hearthstone like a couple summers ago and my brother and I spent you know like a good portion of our summer cursing at our computers and <laughs> trying to grind to legendary and I just was never quite able to get over the hump like I would always stop at like rank two I never could quite get the legendary in Hearthstone so I thought dang it I'm good at magic like I want to get to mythic mm-hmm. so I was pretty religiously like jamming GRN drafts like I bet I did over 100 GRN drafts. And I was consulting this uncommon pick order and like trying to use it. And it sometimes felt like it was helpful. Other times it felt like it messed me up more than it helped me. I'm not convinced that it's like super helpful, but it is interesting to know. And it does help explain some things like Dovin's Acuity and High Alert, because there's literally one card in between Dovin's Acuity and High Alert. So Either you see those two cards together all the time, or you see one missing, so you know a bot took one of them, and then the other one often wheels or just goes way later than it should. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. So if you're blue-white, you can sort of count on seeing one or the other of those almost every draft you do. Is that true? Well, I mean, if if that print run of uncommons gets opened, you're gonna see one of those two cards probably because it doesn't feel like the bots value them super highly. So it's pretty rare that like before you see that pack, the bots have snapped up both of those cards. Yeah, that I would agree with that. So all they have to do is get open that part of the uncommon print run. And if that happens in your draft, I think you're going to see one of them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the odds of that are, but it feels like pretty likely to me, like from the drafts I've done, I feel like I always see one of those two cards. And, you know, I've been watching uh, Deathsea stream a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like super popular right now and his stream's really growing, which is super cool. He's just been jamming Dovin's Acuity, Clear the Mind decks over and over and over. And it works out most of the time that he's got that deck. Well, because those cards are just so low. I mean, you can just almost always wheel Clear the Minds like you can usually do in paper or not in paper, but like you can do in drafts with people. But it's to like a, such a higher degree of certainty because it's against programmed pick order bots right so i think that's worth knowing about if you didn't know about the uncommon print run and we will put a link uh in the show notes to that paste bin and use at your own peril i mean i think sometimes (laughs) it's helpful sometimes it's not um and that's sort of up to you and some people i know feel very morally opposed to that but i mean it's public information it's out there like some people are going to be using it i don't don't feel super strongly that it's helpful but I, i do think it's interesting to look at and it sort of helps explain the rhythm of the wild thing too right because rhythm of the wild is sandwiched around Enraged Saratok and Clan Guildmage. Mm-hmm. So like some of those Gruel cards just have to go late because they're all right next to each other. And the fact that it never changes makes the drafts kind of repetitive in a certain sense. Yeah, that I mean, I think that combined with the fact that there's this like sort of prescribed 
decision making that the bots that you're drafting with are following. So not only does like the uncommon thing get repetitive, like I've seen Frilled Mystic and Skatewing Spy in the same pack so many times. And I don't think I don't consider it a signal. Like I, but at first I was like, oh, every time I saw it, like at the first two, three times I saw it, I was like, oh, well, this is a signal that Simic is open. No, it's just like however the pick order works for the uncommons that they're taking or the cards that they're taking over those. Like either they think that the CCDD card is too narrow or like they don't think Skatewing Spy is that good or whatever. But like seeing those two cards next to each other, even if I'm seeing it pick five, that's one of the things where I'm like, I'm not going to abandon ship for this anymore. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's part of learning to draft with the bots. And it's a different game than it is drafting at a table with real people, whether you're doing it in paper or on MTGO. And I think like to you and I and other experienced drafters, like that's just sort of a feel bad experience. I mean, it's, and it's one of the reasons why at the start of this format, and I think until they implement person drafting on arena it will be what i like i will return to magic online at the start of the format every time because i think it would be way too hard and also way too warping of like how you would perceive the format to try and learn the format through drafting with the bots like you're just going to get this sort of like weird niche feeling of what is correct to do versus like as you talked about earlier you're like well i know what a good simic deck looks like and you know that i think because you've drafted on magic online when you've seen like well when this deck is open when it's really like firing on all cylinders this is what it looks like and so then if that's one of the good archetypes i can get from the bots then i'm gonna do that you know right yeah i 100 percent agree my initial inclination was that i was going to play arena at the start of the format because of the deckmaster extension you know it made it easier for people to mouse over the cards and stuff mm -hmm. i just couldn't do it like because it didn't feel real and i wanted to we have a responsibility for the podcast to learn how to draft the format and i think you have to do that on magic online yeah i mean i i agree i felt i feel like i was saying this a lot of times people are like well why aren't you drafting on arena i'm like well i feel like my number one priority is the podcast is to get like the best information out there and i think the best information at the start of the format is available through drafting against people and so we've been alluding to this a little bit throughout the episode, but there are cards that are consistently undervalued by the bots that are valued very highly by the community. So we've just got a short list of cards here. And if you have anything to add to this, mm -hmm. uh, I would be very glad to hear it. Um, but I think Sauriform Hybrid, any of the Orzov Commons, like Imperious Oligarch, Grasping Thrall, Final Payment, those all seem to go criminally late, depending on which draft you're in. Dead Revels, I think, goes consistently a little bit too late. Blade Juggler, you know, sometimes you see pick six, pick seven, and that makes sense. You know, you said Grotestimize is probably ahead of it in their pick order, and that sort of would explain that a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Ill-Gotten Inheritance, I think, goes way too late. Like, I've had drafts where I could get six, seven, eight Ill-Gotten Inheritance if I wanted them. Sky Tether pretty consistently wheels, and I think that's a premium removal spell in this format. And still, you know, the first time around, the gate payoffs and the gates themselves were absurdly late like you could wheel every single gate if you wanted to that's not the case anymore but gate payoffs do randomly go late like you'll get a pick seven gate colossus or a pick seven gate breaker ram randomly mm -hmm. and you can still wheel some amount of gates you don't wheel all the gates but you can count on some gates wheeling and as long as you're picking them like reasonably high you still don't have to pick them as highly as you would on mtgo to end up in the gate deck i don't think yeah it seems like you can't get them like pick 11 or later anymore i think they're programmed to not let that happen i, I can't I, i'm not like 100 percent sure but i feel like i haven't seen that in a, in a really long time it feels like you they start to disappear like between pick six and ten and then they're like gone by 11 which is like normal except there doesn't seem to be that sort of rhyme or reason of like well, if they're taking gates, then the gate payoffs are gone. Like those don't seem to be synced up, which is one of the reasons I don't think you're sitting at a table with like bot personalities drafting certain archetypes. I think you're just sitting at a table with bot personalities drafting the like pick order cards. Um, the only things that I would add to this list were like the the cards we already talked about, like Dovin's Acuity or High Alert, like those uncommon build around cards, which is, you know, sort of similar to the gate payoffs as well like those just don't seem to be taken with any sort of urgency and they also then don't seem to be it doesn't seem like you know seeing some kind of cards going late like sphinx's inside going late doesn't necessarily mean that like someone already hasn't snapped up a dovin's acuity that sort of thing right and i think if you aren't careful you can really train wreck yourself by allowing these commons to cause you to waffle too much i think the number one card that gets me is blade juggler because in my brain that's the number one common yeah. So if I so if I see a pick six blade juggler, I'm like, holy cow, I need to be trying to move into a black deck. 
I just don't think that's necessarily the case on Arena. Like, I almost think grasping thrall is more of an indicator, like a late grasping thrall on Arena is more of an indicator that I should be trying to get into Orzov than that Blade Juggler is an indication that I need to be trying to get into Black. So I want to say two things here. I think one one will be more of a statement, one more of a question. So the first thing is that, like, I also feel like I see Blade Juggler with Skewer the Critics a lot when it's late. And that it's so hard for me to not see that and go, oh, Rakdos is open. Because I don't think that's the case. I don't know what is causing Skewer the Critics to still be in those packs in terms of what the pick order dictates to the bots. But like that just doesn't often then pan out for me, like then getting the the Rakdos Trumpeters or the Plague Whites on the wheel. I might even add Plague White to this list of cards that that's undervalued by the bots. I would agree with that. I think the other thing that's interesting about maybe the, those late Blade Juggler Skewer the Critics is you're just sort of naturally disincentivized to move into Rakdos with the bots because it's the worst guild or the weakest guild. I mean, and they're all close, but I mean, if you have the choice, you would much rather be Simic or Orzov or one of the the things that are, you know, higher up the guild power rankings. So I just am naturally disincentivized to try to be Rakdos on Arena because it's a repetitive thing, right? And the bots aren't drafting decks. So if you know an archetype's the weakest on Arena, draft is not naturally self-correcting on arena the way it is on mtgo or in paper so you're right. you're not going to get paid off necessarily by jumping into the weakest archetype the way you would in irl yeah for sure and the the, uh, the question that i wanted to ask previously was like so if you are in that bot configuration where you feel like orzov is open you're seeing a, a grasping throw wheels out of your first pack so then if in pack two or pack three you open a grasping thrall and it's the best card for your deck are you now gonna go well, I think I'm probably going to wheel this card, so I'll take Plague White and hope to wheel Grasping Thrall, even though Thrall is like Thrall is the card that you would rather have in your deck. Are you then going to start to game the system to that that extreme sense? Do you feel confident enough in doing that? I don't feel confident enough to do that yet, but I do think that's certainly possible to do. I think there's a reasonable likelihood that Grasping Thrall wheels a large percentage of the time. I was doing that super hard in the first iteration with Gates and Gate Payoffs. Yes, But this time around, I haven't done it quite enough to where I would feel confident enough to do that. So I would probably take the grasping throw there. But I think if a person played enough draft on arena, which is expensive, I mean, unless you're winning a ton, Mm -hmm. I think you could start to know those things about the bots. Yeah. During uh, Rivals of Ixalan, I experimented with this slightly because uh, quarter calls in our discord had been talking about basically just soft forcing merfolk during the rivals drafts because basically every common other than jungleborn pioneer that was a merfolk common was going late and so you could reliably get like you know miscloaked heralds and jadecraft artisans and guilt grove stalkers pretty late and you know again it didn't feel like you could do it all the time and it felt like you wanted a reason to do it like just first picking jungleborn pioneer wasn't good enough but if you could like first pick a good uncommon like the merfolk misbinder the lord or you know something else at rare that felt like a reason to go into merfolk hadana's climb for example then you probably really could soft force it because almost always yeah the the last few cards in the pack were going to include something like a Jadecraft Artisan for you. So it's not even just in terms of, of guild drafting, it feels like, even in Rivals where, you know, all theoretically all 10 color pairs were viable, but there's definitely a pretty big delta between the best and the worst in that format. I just think that, like, figuring out what you can reliably get late is really important. Figuring out that you can get good, like, Grasping Thrall late or Soraform Hybrid late, that's absurd. Yeah, I agree. That's a huge, huge edge up on the rest of the field that's drafting on Arena, which leads us into our next point, which is that everybody that's trying to maximize their win rate on Arena should be trying to, quote unquote, exploit the bots. And that has several things that spiral out about the format on Arena or the metagame. So it it leads to a way narrower metagame. And because the metagame is narrower, it's also more exploitable. So we were just talking about that draft on Arena is not self-correcting. So you should if you're trying to win the most, bias your picks to try to end up in whatever you believe to be or know to be the best archetype. So the first time around, if you were not drafting the gate deck, you were losing win percentage points. 100% for certain because the gates went so late and the gate payoffs went so late. And this time around, it feels like Simic and Orzov, I think, with the occasional random gates deck thrown in, are just the places to be. Have you had any sense of that as well? Yeah, no, that is exactly lined up with my experience. And I think we should just briefly, I assume our audience knows this, but we should briefly just talk about what like drafting self-correcting means. And all that means is like, you know, if 
black white is the best deck by a large margin, it's going to self-correct because if three people try and draft that deck at an eight person table, their decks are going to be diluted and not as good. And so that's going to make the other archetypes rise up at that table, you know? So this idea of self-correcting being like, even if something is head and shoulders above the rest or head and shoulders below the rest, in theory, if like, you know, if Merfolk isn't a good deck, but if no one else is drafting Merfolk, you can get a good Merfolk deck, that's self-correcting, that sort of thing. But that doesn't happen with the bots because they're not adjusting to what you're doing, you know? Right, yeah. But yeah, that's been my experience. You know, I think the Dovin's Acuity deck is doable a large percentage of the time. I don't know about this iteration, but I think in the last iteration of the bots, I believe people are just saying that Dovin's Acuity could wheel a lot of the time. So you could even take cards out of the pack that Acuity was in, be like, well, I want this Arrestor's Admonition in my Acuity deck, but you would never take Admonition over Dovin's Acuity in a paper draft for fear of not wheeling the engine card in your deck. But on Magic Arena, you probably can do that because Arrestor's Admonition is probably higher in bot pick orders than Acuity is. Right, yeah, I just wheeled Dovin's Acuity last night. So I think if you're trying to identify which archetypes to exploit on Arena, because it's going to be different every time they update, you're, you just need to pay attention to the cards that wheel or are going way too late when you're drafting on Arena. So it was painfully obvious the first time around that the Gates deck was busted and broken, and you should be doing it every time. And then I think after the update, you know, after a few drafts, you could sort of see that those Orzhov Common sometimes went way too late, sometimes Soroform Hybrid was going way too late, and that is what leads to you know, Orzov and Simic becoming the two new, I think, best decks to draft on Arena. Yeah, and I, I think you'll then start, as you said, you'll see not only that as the deck that you'll be drafting a lot, but then you're probably going to be seeing that at the other end of the table. I mean, I, I've not been making it up to the 5x, 6x, 7x matchups, but you have recently. Are you seeing like mostly just Orzov, Simic, and Gates on the other side of the table? Yeah, I see a lot of Orzov. Uh, once I start to get into the higher win rates, especially people that just go Grasping Thrall, cast another Grasping Thrall, cast a third Grasping Thrall, and then you're just like, oof, <laughs> like, how do you beat this? Like, th that card gets so nasty when you chain them together. There's something very interesting in this format, in particular, in that there are a handful of commons where you would just play any number of them. And it's funny to me that two of them are cards that seem to be undervalued by the bots, and that's Sorform Hybrid and Grasping Thrall. <laughs> right, yes, you're just jamming as many of those as you can get. Right. And yeah, you're never cutting them. And it's so funny because I think people think about like, you know, there is something and I, I feel like I preach this a lot of the time. I value diversity of spells a lot. But when you've got something that's just so rock solid in every situation, like Soraform Hybrid or like Grasping Thrall, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to jam six of these, seven of these. People are like, how many is too many? I'm like, I would run a deck with like 23 Soraform Hybrids and 17 Forests. Yeah. And, and I think because the metagame is narrower... Uh, whether, you know, it's this Orzhov decks or these Simic decks that you keep seeing, I think you can slant your picks and your deck building to line up against the expected metagame. And that's sort of level two on Arena. You know, like yeah. level one is, can you exploit the bots? And then level two is, okay, I know everyone is exploiting the bots. What can I do to give myself even the next edge past that? So I think, you know, specific to Ravnica Allegiance, Bring to Trial is a card that comes to mind that goes up in value a lot on Arena versus playing, you know, on MTGO or something. Mm -hmm. Because I'm expecting to face Soraform Hybrids, Gate Colossus, Gatebreaker Ram, like a fairly large portion of the time. I will happily main deck a Bring to Trial in best of one, whereas I would be pretty unhappy on MTGO if Bring to Trial ended up in my main deck. Yeah, I agree. I think cards that interact specifically with Gate Colossus go up in value as well. Like if you're thinking about ways that you can nab that out of the yard like carrion imp or junk troller or uh consecrate consume even i mean consuming a gate colossus is pretty nice but also consecrating it out of the yard is pretty nice as well incubation incongruity is a way to exile it and get it gone forever i think those all sort of go up in value because if you're facing a gate deck you're probably facing a gate colossus Right, and there were examples of this in the you know the best of one formats that rotate as well. Like in Rivals of Ixalan this time around, it felt like I was facing a lot of Merfolk, a lot of Esper Ascend, some Vampires, and then how does that affect your deck building consideration? Like for example, the Rivals of Ixalan felt faster to me this time around. You know, we were still on the avoiding the aggro trap plan, but I don't know that the rest of the world that was drafting with the bots felt that way. Mm -hmm. So I started to value Squire's Devotion a little higher and life gain and defensive speed and Atsukan Archer. I really went back to, okay, I want to make sure I do not lose to aggro with my Rivals of Ixalan decks. Whereas the first time around in Rivals of Ixalan, I was just on Esper Ascend the entire time because it felt like that stuff went so, so, so late. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. I think another consideration in the Rivals of Ixalan drafts this time around, because I think White Black Vampires was one of the best decks, was thinking about how your deck matches up against Legion Conquistador. Because a lot of the time, you know, when your opponent plays Legion Conquistador and then draws two or three, if your deck doesn't favorably blank two twos on the ground, you're going to be in trouble. Like, you can't start one for wanting with those cards. Right. And and the card, uh, what's the card that kills a vampire or an enchantment? Cleansing Ray. Cleansing Ray, yeah. Like, I felt fine main decking that in yes. Rivals of Ixalan. I, like, I wasn't thrilled about it, but I didn't feel bad about it. Can we talk briefly about the idea that I think still comes up, and I still feel like it creeps up in my head, even though I think it's incorrect, that, like, are there ever times where you're going to main deck cards in best of one that you wouldn't main deck in best of three? Now, we're talking about you know, main decking different cards based on drafting with bots, which I think is different. You know, thinking about Bring to Trial being a fine card on Arena where it's not a card you're happy to main deck otherwise. Are, are there times where you're like, well, I wouldn't do this in best of three, but in best of one, I want to have access to the silver bullet, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a hot button topic. I don't <laughs> I don't know if I've, I'm qualified to wade into those waters, but essentially the consideration is like, right, so if you're talking about something like Cleansing Ray, Mm -hmm. you would never main deck that or very rarely main deck that in best of three but sometimes it feels okay in best of one like shouldn't you be trying to give yourself the highest win percentage in game one regardless of whether it's best of three or best of one there's this argument that you should not put you know quote unquote sideboard cards in your main deck in best of one unless you're doing that in best of three also i think one of the easiest examples is like enchantment removal or artifact removal so i think it came up a lot for rivals of ixon people would be like oh yeah crushing canopy is good in, in best of one rivals and i would have to remind people like no 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 back when we were drafting this a year and a half ago on magic online we were main decking crushing canopy because it had so many targets right you had water knot and luminous bonds you had the bomb rares like uh, profane procession and hadana's climb and you had good flyers or creatures getting suited up with one with the wind or whatever like it just had a lot of targets whereas you know, if we think about Exposed to Daylight in Ravnica Allegiance, I feel like the jury is still out or like it's just, well, I'm not main decking it in best of three. I know that. But should I be main decking it in best of one? Like there are times where my deck just can't beat an ill-gotten inheritance. Should I be main decking it? Yeah, I think that's the hottest button issue is that card right there right now in Ravnica Allegiance. Right? My approach to it is that I feel fine main decking a copy and best of one like i'm not actively looking to do it but if it ends up to where my deck was a little short on playables or whatever like i don't feel bad about it certainly yeah i mean i feel like there's enough targets like people are mostly playing lockets so like you probably you can you can at least blow that up with it you know it's not the worst you can blow up a gate colossus with it that's pretty good and there are some bombs you can get with it i just i just don't know i know i'm not main decking it in best of three and that feels like a pretty big difference. Like I shouldn't be doing it in best of one if I'm not doing it in best of three. But, you know, I think I think that in comparison to Crushing Canopy, that's like the biggest, you know, analogy for me, analogous situation where I'm like, well, should I be doing it? I feel like I shouldn't. But then I feel bad when I can't beat Niggy. So I don't know. Right, right, right. And I think if we're if we're going back to talking about that Nero metagame, you know, Guilds of Ravnica specifically just sort of devolved into who had turn one healer's hawk and could you beat turn one healer's hawk and then i think as a result of that like hitchclaw recluse sort of skyrocketed in value and eventually there was a point like in that first season where i was just thinking like i want to draft a deck that doesn't lose to boros because right. so many people were just forcing boros so just sort of knowing what people are trying to do to exploit the bots and what you can do to combat that because i think you can expect to face a certain guild or a certain type of deck a reasonable amount of the time in arena because it is a lot narrower yeah i mean i think guilds of ravnica is a great example because it was it felt like it was a two for one you were not only getting to blank the aggro decks that people seem to be inclined to draft but you were also getting to exploit the fact that the bots seem to undervalue green cards and the green guilds pretty highly yeah selesnia was always wide open it felt like yeah agreed i was just like thrilled to put centaur peacemakers in my deck because i knew once i resolved one like boros basically couldn't win Right. And so I think the last thing we want to offer to you here is that sort of random gates, I think, even now are way better on Arena than they are on Magic Online. Because at the start of the format, the gates deck was just by far and away the best deck to draft. And I think you were supposed to draft it every time. That's no longer the case, but you do still see like random late Gatebreaker Rams, Gatebreaker Colossus, Gates Ablaze. And so if there's a weak pack where there's nothing you're crazy excited about, and there's like a double off color gate, 
just take it, I think, because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to get those late gatebreaker rims. And sometimes if you pick up those random gates on arena, you can still pivot into a very good gate deck on arena. I think this just speaks to something that you and I are very high on that I think the general limited community could certainly get higher on, which is drafting fixing. And in this format where gates matter, that's also a great bonus that you get access to these like powerful cards that you can fuel with your gates. But like even with Rivals of Ixalan, there were so many times where I would see people posting like, what's the picks? And there was an Evolving Wilds in the pack. And they're like, do I take this derpy two drop or this derpy three drop? And I'm like, why don't you just take the card that can enable you to play some of the most powerful things in the format? Or even the duels in Rivals of Ixalan. Like, if I get, like, with three cards left in the pack, if I get a dual land, even if it's double off-colored, I'm like, great, sign me up. Like, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of this draft. Right. I mean, so you and I have gates at, like, C pluses, and they could even move into, like, B minus territory depending on what gate payoffs you have. I just think fixing is better than you think it is in Limited, even if you're just playing duels in your two-color deck or in Evolving Wilds in your two-color deck, like... Mana bases in limited are just sketchy in general. Even like 10, 7, 9, 8 mana bases are not like the most consistent things you can be doing. And so being able to make that more consistent and then couple that in with the fact that like sometimes you're going to want to draft a bomb that's off color or whatever, or you're going to maybe not make playables or whatever in your own colors because the draft has been difficult and you've been navigating it the best you can, but like you end up with some sort of a pile at the end. Like I just am never mad about having lands in my 45 picks at the end of the draft and i think couple that with the fact that the bots just don't seem to know how to take it they're like ah uh, yeah I, I gotta take this pick nine or whatever because i'm programmed to do it but they're not doing it with any sort of rhyme or reason and it seems like they're generally lower on them than they should be right and so now we've armed you with a bunch of knowledge and we're going to do our first ever arena roundtable here on lords of limited to try to you know walk you through some of what we've we've talked at you about here on this episode so are you ready to take a seat in our first ever arena roundtable, Ethan? I am Ethan Bot. I am ready. <laughs> beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> All right. So pack one, pick one. You sit down digitally at your Magic Arena draft seat with the robots, and you see the following cards as options. There's an Azorius Guildgate. There's a Burning Tree Vandal. Two and a red for the 2-1 Riot. And whenever it attacks, you can discard a card. If you do, draw a card. And a pretty weak pack. There's a Drill Bit. Two and a black for a Sorcery. Spectacle Black. Target player reveals their hand, you choose a non-land card from it, and that player discards that card. Rakdos Firewheeler, the CCDD Rakdos card, 4-3. When it ETBs, it deals 2 to an opponent and 2 to a creature or planeswalker they control. And your rare is a stinker, it's Smothering Tithe. Yeah, man, this seems like a pretty easy Rakdos Firewheeler, either on Arena or on a, a, a person draft. I guess in a, a person draft, I would feel like I might take Azorius Guildgate as a contender, just like as a more, a card that leaves me more open but i never feel like i need to take gates this early on arena yeah i think rectos firewheeler either medium for me mm -hmm. moving on to pack one pick two you see the following cards as options this is a much more stacked pack common wise there's a savage smash summary judgment get the point aeromunculus those are kind of the standout commons and then uncommons are loaded. This is sort of the gruel print run here on arena you've got clan guild mage rhythm of the wild and enraged ceratok all in a row yeah, so Rakdos Firewheeler, if I want to like commit to that, I can follow it up with Get the Point, probably. But I don't think I want to do that. I think I'd like to just take the card that is the most flexible out of this. Like, Enraged Ceratox seems like a good pickup, and then it feels like I can wheel one of the Gruul cards or one of the Simic cards. I, I don't know. I, I like Enraged Ceratox quite a bit, and it feels like there's a density of green cards here that uh, could come around, and maybe I want to hedge towards simic and hope that you know this is a table where soriform hybrids are going to be undervalued yeah right i didn't want to get married in my first pick of rakdos fire i landed on the same thing i landed on enraged ceratok with the hope of wheeling one of those three gruel cards or the aramunculus moving on to pack one pick three with a rakdos fire wheeler and an enraged ceratok in your pile see the following cards as options there's an aramunculus a carrionymph a final payment a law mage's binding is probably the best common in the pack and then your uncommons are Frilled Mystic and Resolute Watchdog. So we can assume that Skatewing Spy was taken out of the pack based on the, the print run that we know about. I don't really know what to, to read into that other than Skatewing Spy has been taken by a bot next to me. I think I would take Frilled Mystic here as a follow-up to Saratok. Like, it's color committing, but as we said, Simic is one of the 
guilds that we feel like is reliably good and open. We've seen a couple Aramunculus. I I don't think those are going to wheel necessarily, but you know maybe Fairy Duelist wheels out of this pack. Maybe Simic Guildgate wheels out of the pack. Mystic just seems like the best card here for us. Right, that's what I settled on as well. So now we've got Rakdos Firewheeler that we have likely abandoned and Frilled Mystic and Enraged Ceratok maybe hoping to draft Simic at this point. Mm -hmm. So moving on to pack one, pick four, see the following cards as options. There's one of those late Grasping Thralls, although pick four is not super late yet for Grasping Thrall, but there's a Grasping Thrall in the pack. Silhana Wayfinder uh, as an uncommon, that's the one in a green for the two one where you look at the top four and can put a creature or a land on top of your library. And there's a Dead Revels in the pack a debtor's transport, a rebel belt runner, not a super exciting pack. And there's also a gruel Guildgate hanging out here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you've got three options here, the wayfinder, the Guildgate, and the grasping thrall. I don't think I want to abandon Saratok and mystic for grasping thrall at this point, though that could be correct. Just in terms of like hedging between the two guilds that we talked about, Orzov and, and Simic. But I think I would just be on either the gate or wayfinder. And again, I think I can just get gates a little later in bot draft. So I think I'd take the wayfinder. That's where I ended up as well with the exact same reasoning. Those were kind of the three main cards I was trying to decide between there. Moving on to pack one, pick five, pretty weak pack here. See the following cards as options. There's an Orzov Guildgate hanging out, an ill-gotten inheritance and a skitter eel as like the best cards in the pack. There's also a gravel hide goblin and an Axebane beast, like in, as far as like the gruel life goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting if like Grasping Thrall is in this pack, if you feel like, ugh, am I supposed to jump ship for Orzov here? Yeah, if Grasping Thrall were in this pack, I would be slamming it, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, like I wonder, you know, I think we're probably both on Skitter Eel here with the, the Simic route that we're taking. But I wonder if this harkens back to what you were talking about earlier about like trying to pick your lane early that feels like what i'm doing like skitter eel fifth is okay i guess i would hope to getting be getting some stronger signals for anything pick five and pack one this doesn't feel like a a signal to me in in that sense but i think that that feels like what we're doing we're just like all right we went saratok into mystic and like these are all cards that will go in a good simic deck and i'm just sort of holding on and hoping yeah i mean and i and that has worked well for me on arena despite it not necessarily being the optimal draft strategy you know what i mean yeah and then things get mixed up here this is what i feel like happens a lot on arena so pack one pick six you see the following cards as options there's a blade juggler which is way too late for a blade juggler pack one pick six it should not still be here there's a skewer the critics still in the pack pack one pick six and then uncommon wise there's a dagger caster chilling out there's an Azorius Guildgate still in the pack and almost no Simic cards to speak of. There's like, you know, a Gross Spiral, which is sort of whatever, Scuttlegator, whatever, Thought Collapse, Sagittarius Volley. So nothing we're excited about for our Simic deck. And then this is the point where you just feel like, well, gosh darn it, like I hate <laughs> drafting with bots. Yeah. So what do you do here? Well, I think based on our conversations, I would just take Azorius Guildgate because I don't think I'm supposed to jump ship for Blade Juggler or Skewer the Critics, even with the Firewheeler in my pile. Yeah, that's where I sort of got... I sort of got sidetracked because I still had this Rakdos Firewheeler and I feel like I do this way too much. I thought, well, like maybe I can be Rakdos. So I sucked it up and I grabbed Blade Juggler here. But the the issue with this is then that Blade Juggler does require some setup to be the best, best con, con, right? Yeah. Like you do have to have a good curve. And if you're pivoting into it late, sometimes it's hard to get the good curve that you need to end up in the right deck for Blade Juggler to really shine. So I did take Blade Juggler here. Uh, and hedged a little bit because I thought maybe I was going to be in the draft, you know, where maybe I was going to see random late Orzov cards. Like there wasn't enough Simic wise here for me to just like want to ignore these two cards completely. If that makes sense, like, you know, next pack, I could see a grasping thrall, take that and then like be on the road to Orzov town or something. Yeah, it feels like a fine hedge. I just don't know if I have the discipline to then like not not take black cards moving forward. Yeah, like when I'm not supposed to, whereas Azorius Guildgate. Yeah, it's not great right now but taking into account that we're drafting with bots that like you're you could see rams colossus archway angel gateway sneak and all of those are going to be good with an azorius guild gate yeah certainly does have high upside on arena i would agree moving on to pack one pick seven this is like kind of a whatever pack here like yeah. no no strong things there's a blood mist infiltrator as the best rakdos card in the pack that's the three one uh, where you can sacrifice a creature and make it unblockable until end of turn. There's a gateway plaza as the gate that's left in the pack. There's a blade brand chilling out. Again, no real Simic cards. There's a wrecking beast, a growth spiral, and a humongous. 
Yeah, I I think I would just be blinders up on Simic at this point and take Miley Cyrus Wrecking Beast here. Yeah, I, th- I certainly think that's defensible. I ended up actually snagging a card I didn't list, which was Blade Brand, because I was still thinking, okay, maybe I can get into Rakdos. Like, Blade Brand will be good if I can pick up a Footlight Fiend, you know, maybe that Dagger Caster Wheels, who knows. But now you have two cards that you're like, you're like two Rakdos cards or your two black cards require setup cost. Yeah, I'm not feeling great at this point. I, I am I am feeling pretty bad. So moving on to pack one, pick eight, see the following cards as options. This was where I really decided, okay, I'm doing this in this draft. Mm-hmm. So there's a Rakdos Trumpeter here as a Rakdos card if you wanted to continue down the Rakdos route. Or uh, as Simic cards as options, there's a Simic Guildgate and an Essence Capture as the best blue card in the pack. And there's also a Rubble Belt Recluse chilling out, the, the four and a red, six, five. So I was trying to decide between Rakdos Trumpeter and Essence Capture. And in my mind, whichever one of those I picked, like I was going to try my darndest to do. And I ended up settling on Essence Capture and sticking with Simic. Yeah, I like that quite a bit here. I think Essence Capture is the best card in this pack. And I think your blue-green cards are better than your black-red cards. Right. And so I flirted with Rakdos a little bit or, you know, maybe some sort of black thing because of that late Blade Juggler. But again, like it didn't really pan out. And I did end up getting... Uh, rewarded pretty handsomely in pack three in Simic, which was, I think, fortunate, but also like a function of Soraform hybrids going late. Like I got some late Soraform hybrids in pack three. And interesting to note that, you know, that that second pack that was stacked with all the Gruul and Simic cards. Oh, yeah. None of those came back around. So none of the Gruul cards came back around. Aramunculus did not come back around. So that got all snapped up by the bots. So, you know, you're at a table with with four gruel drafters, right? That's what that means. Right. But it did it, sarcasm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't need we can do without that. But yeah, I mean, so I think there's that I think is a nod to the fact that the bots have pick orders also as opposed to just like trying to find their lane and stick to those colors. That's what I think, too. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a perfect example of and maybe it's, you know, confirmation bias or whatever but this is a perfect example of those times where i see the the late blade juggler and late skewer the critics and that that was even before we talked about it before in the episode before i knew that this was going to be our round table i hadn't looked through it all and i just think that that happens far too often and so that i ended up with a good simic deck and the deck ended up going five and three i think i got a little unlucky to only go five and three i had a pretty darn good simic tempo deck i was very happy with it, it had double terramander a couple of resters admonition had a couple applied biomancy. I had some good, some good tempo plays. It, it was a solid little, little Simic aggro tempo deck. Best of one is just a wild scene, man. You can have great decks that do well. You can have suboptimal decks that that do well. You know, anything's possible in Magic. Yep, that's a good place to wrap us up. I think. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. We've got a lot of Lords of Limited content out there for you just besides this podcast. So finally, uh, we announced this a few weeks ago that we have a new podcast exclusive to the brew.com app that is currently only available in the iOS store, more platforms available in the future. But the Magic Arena podcast is now available. It launched uh, this past Friday. So if you're interested in checking out our new show on that platform, there's a 30-day free trial you can get to check it out, check out our show. Tolarian Community College has a magic podcast on there. There's a lot of great other non-magic content available to you exclusive on Brew. We're very excited to be bringing you that show each week as well as this show. I was a guest on Men From Moto this past weekend, so you can check that out as well. I got to talk about all things arena with Travis Sowers, aka Samulin, so you can check that out. But also, come check us out on Twitch. I'm at twitch.tv slash lordtupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Metronome. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions for us, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
because so many people were just forcing Boros. So it's just sort of knowing what people are trying to do to exploit the blots. <laughs> just sort of knowing <laughs> what... <laughs> Leave me alone. It's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> <clears throat> so just sort of knowing what people are trying to do to exploit the bots. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your outtake, ladies and gentlemen. 